Listen, uh, I'm so happy that you're here today, and uh, listen, I, I have three kids, and I, I like it when they're in here. And during the summertime, we don't have children's church, and so I like it when the littles are in here. And if you got a little, I just want to let you know that if they talk or scream or yell, they're not going to bother me, unless it's my kid, and then it's going to bother me. Uh, <laughs> So you're not allowed to do that if you're one of mine. But if you're somebody else's, you can do it all you want. And I promise it won't affect me one bit. Uh, I like it, honestly. And uh, it's a good thing. And something that we shouldn't uh, stress out about or worry about. I know as a parent you might, but I don't. And other people don't. You do, but nobody else does. And so uh, you're welcome here. Your kids are welcome in our service we're so thankful that you're here today. Today we're continuing in our series in 1 Corinthians, getting near the end. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is where we are. And um, starting in verse 35, going down to verse 49 is where we're at. And uh, if you don't have your Bible with you today, the words will be on the screen. I, I hope that you are bringing your Bible with you, though. It's an important thing to do just to have God's Word with you and to, to get used to opening God's Word and to just find where Scripture's at and to be able to, to highlight and mark and as the Lord speaks to you. Don't be afraid to bring your Bible with you, friends. It's a good thing. I know it's a little bit extra. I know it's on your phone, on your iPad. But I'm old school, and I like my Bible. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. I thank you so much for the many blessings that you have given to us. We thank you for your word and that, that we can open up your scripture and we can look at it and we can see that what you are, that you're saying to us. And it's not hidden from us, Lord. It's, it's, it's right in front of our eyes. We can see it. We can read it. We, we know what you're saying to us. And even though sometimes it's hard, it's difficult, it's still true. It, it, it matters. It's important. So, Father, help us today as we come to this time of, in our worship service, as we look at your scripture, at your word, and help us to understand it, help us to know truth. Lord, I recognize that I have a part in this. So, Father, if you would, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me, cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life. and Give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way that brings honor and glory to your name, in a way that brings sinners to repentance and believers to, into a time of renewal in their relationship with you. Lord, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, and Lord, I pray that today would be that day, a day where they admit their sin, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. Lord, if that were to happen today, we would give you all the honor all the glory. Lord, this week I was able to, to do that with a young man and to help him have a relationship with you. Help him to know without a shadow of a doubt that when he dies, he's going to spend eternity with you. We give you just honor and praise for that decision, but Father, we just pray that that's not the only one. That there's someone else here today that needs to make that decision. That you would give them the courage, the grace they need to come forward and say, I need Jesus. 
What a joyful day that would be. What an awesome day that would be. Father, for the, the person that's here that is a Christian and that may be struggling or going through hardship, Lord, I pray that you would give them a time where they recognize your love, your goodness. And though they may be struggling, you are not far away. That you love them, that you care for them, that you're present in their life. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you did on the cross and what you're doing for us even on this day. It's in your name that we pray and all of God's people say, amen. Have you ever had a vision for something that no one's really ever seen before? Maybe it's a, a business idea or a product to sell, or maybe it's a, a home improvement idea that you have at the house. When I was a kid, we, I grew up in a really old farmhouse. It was, I mean, 100, over 100 years old. It used to be a, a nun's house, and uh, they, uh, it just needed a lot of work when we bought it. And we're kind of in a, we were in a desperate situation. Our house burnt down and we were trying to find a house. So we bought this old house and, and my dad, you know, he's not a contractor, he, you know, he's, he wasn't then, he isn't now. And, uh, and when he had, when something was broken, we didn't have the money to fix it. And he would try to come up with this for a bad, for lack of a better word, brain dead idea, you know, I mean, just to try to get it fixed. And he would rope my brother and I in to try to get it done. And he would tell us what we were going to be doing. And we would look at each other like, huh? You know, like we didn't, we didn't see the vision. We didn't understand what he was trying to accomplish and how he was trying to do it. Husbands, you ever have your wife say, hey, I need you to build some shelves in the boys' room. And you look at her and she's, she's got a picture in her brain and she's trying to paint that picture for you with her words and you have no idea like what are you trying to you don't see it right and you ever watch the, these fixture upper shows the hgtv the home improvement show i mean like a lot of times when they they have an idea they have this computer software where it's like a 3d picture and they they walk you through everything that they're gonna do right and like hey you know, I don't have that, you know, and I, I, and I think sometimes we think that like, hey, that's just, everybody understands the vision. Like we try to communicate it and we try to, like as a pastor, sometimes you do that as well. You try to share your vision with the church and they look at you like, there ain't no way, pastor. You know, I mean, that's just. And our pastor scripture for today, Paul is discussing the differences between our heavenly bodies and our earthly bodies. And one of the things that Paul is going to, to make clear to us and to them today is that those two things aren't the same. They're quite different. And, and what, what the church of Corinth, they want, they, want to see that, they want to see what it looks like, right? They want, they want to see that picture. Friends, we know what our earthly body looks like, but we don't have any idea what our heavenly bodies are going to look like. But what Paul makes absolutely clear today is that those two things are not the same. One is not like the other. 
Listen to what Paul has to say to the church in Corinth today, verse 35. But some of you will ask, how are the dead raised? And what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, Paul says, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. The question that Paul is dealing with, or questions that Paul is dealing with, are in theory kind of hypothetical questions, but in reality, these are the questions that Paul knows they're asking. I mean, Paul knows the church in Corinth are wanting to know how are the dead raised and what kind of body is it when they are raised? What does it look like? Paul doesn't seem too impressed with their questions. He calls them foolish. Gnostics, Gnosticism, which is the leading thought here, the, the false truth, the false teachings that the church in Corinth were believing in, are the ones that are supposed to have this secret knowledge, right? They're supposed to have the ability to, uh, God gives them this ability to understand. And it's through this understanding that they are what? Saved. And so Paul said, hey, you're, you're the ones that are supposed to have all the knowledge. You're the ones that are supposed to have all the answers. And you're asking, yeah, you're fools. This is foolish. It's elementary. You, shouldn't, you, you should know that this isn't, it's not possible. I don't have AutoCAD on my iPad. I can't give you a picture of what it looks like. He's being a little sarcastic. Hard to blame him. So much of time, of Paul's time that's spent here in 1 Corinthians has been spent dealing with those who consider themselves to be wise. And here they are asking foolish questions. They wanted answers. They wanted a picture. They wanted something they could see. Paul didn't have access to that. But what he does do is he gives them an analogy, an illustration that they can't understand. Let's look at verse 37. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain, but God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. Corinthia was an, an area that produced a, a large, it was, you know, it was rural, agricultural. There was a lot of grain that was produced. And they understood that if you take a bare kernel or a dead seed and you put it in the ground and you add some water, what's going to happen? It's going to produce a crop, right? And so they, they understood this analogy. Even if they weren't farmers, they, I mean, we're kind of like that. We live in St. Joe, and there's not a whole lot of cornfields in St. Joe. But if you just go outside, you know, Frederick Boulevard, you're going to see a few cornfields, right? We understand. Many of us had grandparents or uncles or even today have family that are farmers. Some of you are farmers here today. Does the crop look anything like the seed? I mean, when you put in a seed into the ground, right, and what comes from that seed looks a lot different than that little kernel, right? Not the same. The resurrection of a new heavenly body is only possible through the death of a human body. Will the two look the same? Absolutely not, Paul says. But your earthly body and your heavenly body 
are not the same. They will not look the same. They will not act the same. They are completely different. The thing that is the same is that God is responsible for both of them. God is responsible for the growth. More on that here to come. But if you remember from weeks prior, uh, there's a group who denied the resurrection of the dead. And Paul is saying here, if you deny the resurrection, then how is it that there can be a new body? Listen to what he says in verse 39. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies, and then there are earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly one is one of a kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for stars differ from stars in glory. What Paul is saying here is that if you, if you look at the human form of God's creation, there's a lot of variety, a lot of beauty too. But Paul, Paul isn't talking just about the human race. He's not just talking about animals, but he's talking about what? Stars, sun, the moon. I mean, the world that we have, it's beautiful, is it not? I mean, I mean, the creation that we live in is just, it's magnificent. I mean, on Sunday night, I'm not sure if you saw this, but if you looked at the eastern sky Sunday evening, there was a double rainbow that was just, I mean, it was beautiful, majestic, right? Robin and King Connell was over at their house and left their house. It was pouring down rain, and this rainbow just came up, and you just, I mean, they have a picture of it. She sent it to me. It's just, it takes your breath away. You ever watch the sunset or the sunrise and just, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't take very long, does it? And you, sometimes you just watch that sunrise and you just wish you could just push pause, you know? And you ever look at the, star, the stars in the sky on a clear night and just think, man, like this, the vastness of our universe. You ever go to the ocean and just be humbled by its, size you ever go to the woods in the morning and watch the woods wake up i mean the birds are chirping squirrels are chasing each other deer are kind of flocking together coyotes are barking all the while the sun on your back i mean it's just It's beautiful. Yesterday I was in talking to some of my neighbors, a couple guys in our neighborhood, and we're all in our 40s, and all of us have a few kids, and we just talked about this, the preciousness of the chapter that we're in in life, you know, just season of life is just, I mean, I, I'm not ready for it to end, you know, like I, we, we, we just, I mean, here we are, we're talking about, like, we just kind of wish we had a few more, you know. Maybe started a little early, could have had a few more kids, and two or three, maybe just not enough. Just wonderful. I mean, the life that we have, friends, is just beautiful. It's amazing. 
I mean, is there anything better than going home to your family, to your wife, to your kids, to your home, and, and just seeing what God has blessed you with? As good as this is, Paul says, as wonderful as the world that we live in, I mean, God has just truly blessed us with a wonderful life. What Paul is saying here is that right now, we're the dead kernel. Like, it's great, but the reality is, I mean, my, you don't farm, I mean, any of you plant a garden, any of you farm, like, you don't, you don't do it for putting the seed in. You do it for the harvest, for what comes out of the ground. And the beauty isn't this life, friends. It's the next one. The, the, the wonder of God's creation isn't our earthly bodies. It isn't this world that we live in now. It's the one to come. Nobody plants a garden for the sake of planting. They do it for the harvest. If you look throughout Scripture, there are many examples of the seed in relationship to our faith. In the Gospel of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is similar than all seeds. But when it grew, it, it's greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can come and lodge in its branches. In the parable of the sower, the seed the farmer scatters falls on four different types of soil. The path with no soil, the rocky ground with little soil, thorns, and then the fertile ground. In Galatians 3, 16, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his what? To his seed. And Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. I don't think when we hear these parables and these teachings of seeds throughout Scripture, we don't think of it the same way that the relationship that Paul is referring to here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We are the dead seed, and the crop that is planted is when we are resurrected from the grave. Not the case elsewhere, but it's not, it's not a stretch, right? I mean, it's not hard for, for us to understand the, the analogy of the seed, that the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that we are the seed and then when we are dead we are put into the ground and what comes from that is a new body that's resurrected from the grave and that crop that is produced is so much greater than the seed that is put into the ground it's not a stretch What is coming for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ is so much greater than this right here. 
This is good, this is great, but friends, that does not hold a candle to what is coming. What God has planned for you from the very beginning. This is great, this is great, it's good, it's wonderful. I don't want it to end today, friends, but I know what's coming is far greater than anything that we have right here. Verse 42. So what is it? With the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory, it's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Our earthly bodies are perishable, our spiritual bodies are raised from the dead that are raised from the dead are imperishable. Our earthly bodies dishonor God. Our heavenly bodies will glorify God. Our, our earthly bodies are weak. Our heavenly bodies will be strong. Our earthly bodies are physical. Our heavenly bodies will be spiritual in nature. The key thing here is that we are the same. It's us. It's our physical body, and it will be our spiritual body. It's ours. Two different bodies one clearly greater than the other. But our soul will remain, friends. Our physical body is good, it's great. But I don't know about you. I, I, mean, I don't know if you know this or not. Like, I'm 40 years old, you know. I'm getting older. And uh, there are things that I, I used to be able to do when I was 20 that I can't do today when I'm 40. Like, my mind thinks that I can, and I, and I try to do it, and then I... I realized very quickly that I can't do it like I used to be able to do it. There used to be a t-shirt that my dad would wear. He goes, the older I get, the better I was, you know? And, and sometimes I think, man, I used to do this a lot better than I, huh? <laughs> Some of you are, are a little bit older than 40 and you tell me all the time, you know, it's, Getting old is hard. It's difficult. It's not for the faint of heart. Friends, let me tell you something like one day, this body of yours is going to fail you. Act accordingly. It just is. One day, you're going to be put in a box and then put in the ground. unescapable. There isn't one of us that's going to be able to escape death. Our eternity, your spiritual body will never grow old, never grow weary, never fail you, It will always be intact. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to it, friends. Verse 5, verse 45, rather, Paul compares Adam with Christ. Thus it's written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam became a living, giving spirit. 
But it's not the spiritual that is the first, but the natural. And then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is the man from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Let me just make this really simple for you, if I can. The life that we have right now is like Adam. We are going to walk on this earth with God. We are going to know right from wrong. And we are going to choose sin. We're going to be disobedient. Because of that, our life on this earth is limited. We have inherited, friends, a sinful nature. It's impossible for you to go on this earth and live a sinless life. You are a sinner. That is your nature. That is who you are. You've inherited it from the very beginning, friends. Nothing you can do about it. It's who you are. Paul says that when we are resurrected from the grave, we will bear the image of Jesus Christ. We will be spiritual in nature. We will come from heaven. Heaven will be our home. That is only possible, though, friends, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you want heaven to be your home for all of eternity, Jesus is the answer. Friends, I, I, I don't know about you, but like, I... I I try to fix things. And I think if I, if I just work harder, if I just put in more hours, if I just do this, if I just do that, if I, if I read this book, this, and this guy can tell me how to do this, and that guy can tell me how to do that, then, then maybe I'll have the answer. Maybe I'll get it figured out. And sometimes in our faith and in our, in our, in our walk with Jesus, we think we can figure it out. If we just work hard enough, if we just do this, we just do that. It is by grace you have been saved, not of your works, so that none of you can boast. It's what Jesus Christ has done for you. It's a free gift. All you have to do is accept it. Put your faith in him and for all of eternity, friends, you can be with God. You can get rid of this old body. You can spend eternity worshiping the God of all creation. You can be a co-heir with Christ. You can, be, you can look like him. I mean, Jesus walked this earth and he was perfect. He was sinless. I mean, don't you want to get rid of the sin? Don't you want to stop struggling? Don't you want to get rid of this old body? Paul says that when we are resurrected from the grave, we will bear the image of Jesus Christ. 
How is that possible? There's nothing that you can do that will make that possible, friends. Nothing. Jesus Christ has made it possible. Don't believe me? Look at what Romans 5 says. Therefore, as one trespasses led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to the justification and life for all men. You are justified. You are made right in the eyes of God through one man. Not me, not you, but by Christ alone. Friends, it's really that simple. Admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. And if you do that, you receive eternity with God. Allow for Christ to, to reign supreme in your life. Allow him to live inside of you, to take control, and just um, enjoy the ride, friends. It's a wonderful life to put your faith in Jesus. The best is yet to come. Father God, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the promises that you give to us about our eternal security. And Father, I, I can't even wrap my mind around what you have in store for us. Uh, I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. Lord, I know, though, that that's then and this is now. And that there is still work to do, that you've called us to be your hands and feet, to go into the nations and make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, I, I come here today acknowledging what you have done for us and what you've done for me, and yet I, I, I can't imagine that there are people in this room that there's got to be one, Lord, that is yet to put their faith and trust in Jesus. Lord, I pray for that person today and ask that you would just give them a glimpse of your glory, of your, of your goodness, of your love for them and allow for them just to experience you in a way that they've never had before, in a way that would allow for them to trust you, to put their faith and trust not in themselves but in Jesus. Father, I pray for the believer that's here, and I pray that during this time of invitation, I ask that you would give us the grace that we need to be honest with ourselves, to be honest with you. Lord, here in a few moments, we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper, and it's a time for us to examine ourselves, 
to examine our relationship with you, to examine our relationship with other people, fellow believers. And Father, I pray that during this time of invitation that we would take stock of our lives, take stock of our relationship with you, and understand what we need to do. Father God, we love you so much. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people stood.